again, welcome to Women Doing Business Differently. My name is Lori Kirstein, I'm your host. And today we have an amazing man with us who is gonna blow your socks off. He's just gonna blow your mind. His name is Blaine Millett. And Blaine is an author, a nationally recognized speaker, and he has some stuff to tell you about marketing. You have a business of your own. You have struggled with marketing and he is absolutely certain that there's a much better way to do marketing, lead gen, and also branding. And he has proved it. So he's gonna tell us about the system he has. And also we were having an amazing conversation before we started recording. And so I wanna get him back into talking about that right now. Now he's also an author and I'm just gonna let him really sort of talk about himself rather than me read a whole laundry list of all the things that he's done because It'll make a lot more sense coming from him and it'll be a lot more impactful. And he certainly has impacted me already and I've only spoken to him twice. So <laughs> thank you for being here, Blaine. I really oh, my pleasure. It. My pleasure. Oh thank my goodness. Oh, it's very exciting, very exciting. Um, please tell us if you would, how did you come to a place in your life where you went, wait a second, I'm gonna break with the status quo because that's basically what my business does too, which is right. part of where we connected. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting you, you say that because I spent um, almost half of my career, if you, if you, you know, like split it in half, um, half my career was with um, large fortune 100, 500 companies. Mm. I started my career with IBM. Uh, I spent 10 years um, leading a consulting practice at Arthur Anderson and uh, did the same at Grant Thornton. So all of these very large corporate organizations, which, which were awesome, and I learned a lot. But one of the things that I did, um, a turning point for me at Anderson, was I did a lot of strategy work for companies. And we'd go through and do all this strategy and figure out what the product services, distribution channels, I mean, do all this good stuff. Right. And the one thing that never really came into the conversation a lot, I mean, it was more of a, I'd say a, a secondary conversation, was the customer. <laughs> and so I'm going, okay, so this is all great, but what about, what about a customer here? What, right. what does a customer really want? And what I found out is, is in probably 90% of the situations was they didn't really know, they guessed. And they said, well, they want better right. products. They want better services. They want cheaper products and services. I went, I don't think so. I don't think that's really what mm -hmm. they want. And so I said, why don't, you know, I started um, initially and said, why don't we go talk to them? not survey but go talk to them. Yeah. And so I started this process and what we came back with was amazing and enlightening information for the uh, CEOs and business owners. And they would go, wow, we never really knew that this is what they wanted. And in fact, they'd pay more for it if we did it. And so that got their attention really quick. And so mm -hmm. I took this concept and incorporated it actually into all of my strategy work where we started, we rewound the, the, the sort of the cable here and started with the customer <laughs> and feedback and everything that went on and then incorporated that into their strategic planning. And let, me ask you, let me ask you a question. Um, so how did you actually talk to them? I mean, like you mentioned the S word, surveys. I hate surveys. I yeah. just loathe them. And um, so how did you actually speak to people? So what I would do is we do kind of a formula. So depending on the company, we would go out and, and everybody knows um, you know, the old 80-20 rule, right? You get 80% of your revenue for 20% of your customers. Uh, that's still pretty true. 
Um, so we would take those 20%, or the, the, uh, the small um, number that was generating the most revenue, and we would say, okay, from there, let's carve out what your customer segments would look like, and we would build some segmentation into it called personas. It's really a, a technical name, but um, okay. we build it out, and then we'd say, okay, so how much revenue per persona, and we'd kind of do mm -hmm. some work. Then we'd say, okay, so from the top ones, let's do a, a bit of a graduated scale. Give me 10 customers in your very top one. Give me five in the other one. And, and, and so we'd, we'd get this mix of customers. Then I would call them or go meet with them. One-on-one. One-on-one. On one. And I'll tell you when, you, when you meet with a customer, they just open the door and hand you the gold. I, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. really? Okay. And, and so when I started doing that, I'd come back with information they have never heard, ever. You know, and it, you know who else? Talked. You know who else does that? Is the people at the bottom of your organization? Yeah, and they get stuff. And but where does it go? It never gets to the top um, into making decisions. So I started doing that, and I'd come back and I'd put this together, organize, and say, "Here's what your customers are saying. Mm -hmm. Here's what you believe they want." <laughs> Let's look at the gap between these and fix that. If we did nothing more than that in our strategy work, we'd have an, we'd have a, an amazing, amazing plan. Right. Anyway, so that's kind of where it got started. And then, you know, probably off on a little tangent there, but not um, at all. That, that led me um, to the end of that kind of consulting piece at Grant Thornton after Anderson and Thornton. Uh, my brother and I, um, who both recognized this, said, you know, we had we had a right um, we had to write down a methodology, a process for this, because if you think about right. it, there's a process for everything in your business, but the customer. There's a process for shipping. There's a shop process for distribution, manufacturing, accounting. You name it, there's a process for it. But how mm -hmm. many of you have a process for a customer experience? The answer oh, was zero, well. right? <laughs> and so we said, let's create that. So we did. We wrote the first book, and it was called Creating and delivering totally awesome customer experiences. That's that was the that was kind of the uh, the kickoff for me, um, to where I put the customer at the center of everything. And so that was the first book, and that's was yeah. right around the uh, you know year, right around two thousand. And um, it was it was kind of a revolutionary book. People were reading it, going, "Wow, this is like really a pretty detailed." So you know, one thing we were talking about um, you know before was this idea of how do you, how do you make the customers um, happy, right? How do you, how do you uh, make them yeah. feel like they really, they really feel special and important? Well, the one thing that we found is everybody goes out and says, oh, let's tell everybody in our company to be nicer, to be happier and friendlier to our customers and the world will change. And guess what? You can walk into Barnes and Noble or go to Amazon and search for books and there's a billion of them that talk about, yeah, just be nicer and friendlier and, and give away more stuff. And are you kidding me? That's not mm -hmm. what the customers ever told me they want. And so those yeah. books just throw them all away because they don't work. That is dead thinking. Well, so you were saying something so amazing when we were chatting about when you give talks, there'll inevitably be some guys, I gather. Right. Right. who will say, oh, this all sounds too touchy-feely to me. Right. So uh, what right. do you say yeah, to them? That's a, that's a good point. Um, and, you know, 
on my audiences, a lot of the audiences, because my audience is CEOs and business owners predominantly and business leaders, is, you know, uh, the majority of the time, they are a lot of men. And um, especially when I'm talking to, you know, some of the B2B in manufacturing and distribution, some of the uh, more traditional lines, more so than consumer products. And so there are a lot of men in the room. And a lot of them are what I would call kind of the crusty old leaders. And <laughs> they've done it this way for a hundred years and I'm not going to change it. And okay. So th this is part of my audience, which I love. I love those guys. Cause the one thing is when they commit to something, they're like dog on bone, boy, they are all over it. Oh yes. um, So I look around and I start talking and I can see that and I'll ask them, so how many of you think this is a little touchy feely, what we're talking about? And, you know, you give some nods, go, yeah, you know, or a couple of raise, you know, I'll go, great. I'm glad I that up. Because if we don't dial into the emotion of the customer, we aren't going to connect with the customer at all. Right. That's right. And so I start with that and I go, when I say touchy feely, it's what I just said. If you tell your, your, all your employees to go out there, be happier, friendly and nicer, what will change tomorrow? Zero absolutely right. nothing will change That's and they'll right. come back and say well see i told them all to be friendlier and happier and nothing happened that's where you run into the issue and so i said okay so what if i could give you a prescription detailed prescription formula that says how you could dial into the emotion of your audience and deliver this consistently and repeatedly every single day with every employee would, would that make a difference they're going, well, yeah, if you could do that. Well, welcome to my model, right? So that's how really when I created that model, it was with um, a lot of that in mind that the audience, the audience of our customer and, and, and overall, if they don't feel special and important, they don't see you right. as different at all. Price is not a differentiator. Um, new products is not a differentiator. And when I talk about differentiation, that's saying you're, you're over here and all your competitors are way over here. There is a marked difference between the two of you. And so differentiation is created because you've dialed into an emotion within the customer. Well, and that I emotion to, comes from this model. I need to um, just point out that every woman I've ever met has heard more often then she can ever bear to remember you are too emotional. Yeah. So right. what you're doing is incredibly profound. It's like you're a stealth missile. Yeah. <laughs> you're going into these old crusty guys and going, guess what? This is important. Right. And I know I met a man doing some networking who is 70 years old and mm -hmm. is just now realizing that he has emotions. Yeah. He says, my wife is very happy that I'm figuring <laughs> out that I have emotions. And I thought, Oh, I get it. That's right. why men who just compartmentalize, like, like was the, the deal. Well, I think it still is the deal. Yeah. Um, get a lot done because they don't bother to feel what's right. happening to them. Right. But and you're it, bringing them into true. emotion. Yeah, it is. And, and it's one where, you know, when, when I do speak and there's women in the audience um, and I talk about this, I can guarantee you, you know, their, their chickens <laughs> going on. I mean, this is like, okay. Uh, yeah, finally, somebody gets this deal, right? And right. Um, so they get it, you know, for sure. But, you know, when, when we talk about emotion and, and, and she goes, yeah, you get too emotional and, and, and everything goes bad, right? You got to stay analytical. You got to stay, you know, on process, on target. And I'm going, okay, so when something goes wrong in your business, 
Mm. Do you ever get angry? Mm. Well, yeah. So why do you get angry? That's an emotion. <laughs> we need to eliminate that. There's no anger in the business either. And, you know, when you start having this discussion, they start That's going, great. oh, gal, this is not going well. <laughs> um, so, so my point is, is that we are emotional creatures. Yes. And we're also designed to have relationships. It doesn't matter, male or female. And yep. the more that we can enhance that relationship where we show um, the audience and, and the people we deal with how much we care. Um, that's where we, we start to eclipse the competition because the competition is still back here in process land, figuring out how to be more efficient, how to do more internally, how to make all these things work and ship the product quicker. Okay, great. Where this other group is so differentiated, you know, we, when we talked a little bit about this beforehand, um, you know, when you don't think you're emotional, uh, how many of you have gone to Disneyland and didn't get emotional? Raise your hands right now, because I don't believe there's anybody, even the crusty CEO that's 70 years old, went to Disneyland and was smiling and emotional. This was <laughs> awesome, right? Yeah. And do you think Disney doesn't make money, that they just do this for fun? I no, they make incredibly profitable. I think and so, too. <laughs> they do it with, with, with incorporating emotion. But yes. here's the magic with Disney. Let's stay on that for one second, because this ties directly into the model. Yeah. is Disney, do you think Disney does anything through this connection emotionally with you that isn't very well scripted, process-oriented, and laid out exactly the way they want it to go all day long? They nail it. This isn't, okay, everybody show up, put on your outfits, and let's go out and, and just do whatever you want to do to make the audience happy. I don't think that happens in Disney. What Disney does is said, this is exactly what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, and we're going to be over the top caring about our audience. And guess what? Those two marry, and you've got a massive winner and differentiator. Yes. Um, I will add, though, that some of it is, no, most of it, if not all of it, is dependent on these emotional triggers that have been set exactly. in place since we were children. So exactly. as far as the authenticity piece, um, Maybe not so much, but it works. It works because right. of the emotional. And I, that is one thing that I'm concerned about in our current environment is you're, we're hearing more from businesses about how emotion is important and authenticity right. is important, but then they're wanting to manufacture it right. instead of truly right. live it. So, right. so, so when I say process, the process is what you just said, triggers. It's how do we execute it consistently and mm -hmm. repeat but we're mm -hmm. incorporating all of the emotional component into when these triggers are going on. So when we're, so for example, uh, if you okay. take Disney, you go to, you know, um, the, the uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean ride and the line yeah. is forever long, right? <laughs> yeah. Going, oh my gosh. Well, do you think they say, okay, we'll just wait in line and you'll get there eventually. And then it'll be happy time. No, of course not. No. They go from the time you start on the line to making you happy. Right. They got characters that come in. They know what to do process wise to make that line feel like, oh, that wasn't very long at all. Well, that was an hour and a half. Are you kidding right. me? Right. They, they have this built in and that's called process. But they put the emotion into the process that they know they've got to go through. That's where the two get married. That's, a, yes. that's probably an easy example everybody can relate to because we've all been in those lines. 
I just loved picturing you standing in front of a group of, of very high powered men saying, really, it's too touchy feely. Have you yeah. heard of Disneyland? <laughs> right, right. Well, and so that. when I when I start that and the first um, the first component of my uh, uh, of my model and the model like in, in the book. And I think, yeah, there's a cop. There's a there's a right there is a copy of the book. Yeah. You know, Stop marketing there. Stop marketing. Your customers are dying to do it for you. How to become remarkable. That's the book. Um, anyway, the um, yeah. the model in the model starts. So let me start with this pinnacle because I call it the remarkable triangle because there's three three points to the model, and the top one will will show you what we're really talking about. The Do you want to show it? Pinnacle. Do you want to share your um, screen and show us? Um, I can. Or not. Or I can also maybe even show you in the book. Maybe that'll. Oh, work. okay. Um, if that's uh, easy, I can figure out how to find the model. Um, <laughs> I know which chapter it's in. It's a matter of. Uh, that's all good. So this is this is. Let's see if we can see this. Yeah. Cool. Okay. All right. So the formula is about building advocates and marketing agents, and this one over here. What's the first big word in the pyramid? Trust. Trust. Right. Okay. So the very, very, very first one, and a comment I'll make in every speech, and one that I hope everybody takes away from this when they talk about people and emotions, is that there is no one on the planet, no one, that will ever be your advocate or ever be out there marketing for you if they don't trust you. True. No one. That's true. Okay, so if we all agree with that, and when I, by the way, the crusty old 70 years CEO, he does not his head and go, yeah, 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 you're right. <laughs> if we don't have trust, we've got nothing in terms of connecting mm -hmm. to our audience to get them to go market for us. And that's the magic formula here is why would we want to use traditional marketing methods, which at which we get excited about when we get a 1.5% return, right? Why, why, why do we do that when we can go out and I can give you numbers that will say that 92% of your audience will proactively tell others about you if they trust you. Wow. Right. Why would we ever want to go after one and a half percent and spend money for it when I can go get the 92% and spend a fraction of the money? I don't know. I'm a business guy. It doesn't make sense to me. Right. So that's what the book is about is how do I get this 92%? So go back to the model. The very first component of trust is purely emotional. It says, if we don't, in fact, here's the, while we're talking, I'll, I'll see if I can pull you, pull up the <laughs> okay. other piece. Because this is, um, this is probably a, a, a crux of it. But the, the whole part of it's, it's going to come down to right here. I should bookmark this ahead of time, shouldn't I? I'm just thinking that trust, you know, trust has to be based on something that is unbelievably, well, if it's if it's a trust that's going to last, it's got to be based on somebody being incredibly authentic and real. Okay, exactly. So here's the name of the chapter. Promises, promises, right. promises. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so when I start this diagram and I, and I share this with everybody, it's called yeah. the advocacy architecture. What's the bottom? If you can read it, I can't <laughs> promises made promises made have to equal promises kept. 
If you uh, don't keep the promises you make, the chance of the chance of getting trust is zero. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things when you know, wind back to our, our earlier part here, um, when I talked to customers, one mm -hmm. of the things that they used to tell me drove me nuts. So I developed this model, you know, years ago, this uh, this um, advocacy architecture. The one thing they consistently told me was, you know, they just don't keep their promises. Mm. Wow. Really? What does that mean to you? Well, I can't trust them. Wow. <laughs> That's how I came up with this model. As I heard that so many times, I went, uh, you know, blow your mind up. Exactly. It's promises. Let's go to the basic level of trust is mm -hmm. a promise. So you're talking, you know, right. when you talk to um, women and the emotions and you do all of these components, which is awesome. Well, mm -hmm. think about a relationship, any relationship. Mm -hmm. If you don't keep your promise in a relationship, what's the chance somebody will ever trust you in that relationship? Zero. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's no difference in business. And so mm -hmm. the model says we have to purposefully build a model that says I've got to know what promises I'm making and I have to guarantee and keep them. If I don't yeah. align these two, forget getting advocates or loyalty. I'm never going to get there. I can't even get past trust. Right. That's right. why it's the first pinnacle in the model. So we focus on and we I even have a, a you know, a, again, a, a method to do that. You go out and you can do what I call a promise inventory. Let's look at the promises you're making both the explicit and implicit promises from your employees. And now let's go back and say, how many of these did we keep? And what you'll find is the average is somewhere about 40 to 60%. So if you were going to look at a prospective mate and you said, okay, I want to be upfront with you. I'm going to keep 40% of my promises. Are we still good? <laughs> no, thanks. It's been nice. <laughs> it's been nice. Let's just have coffee and move on, right? Of course not. Well, right. is the customer any different? They're no different. They're all humans. They all have relationships, right? And right. so if we don't zero in to go, how do we keep all of our promises? How do we move that up to 70, 80, 90, 100? And then here's the kicker is what if you actually use that word? And that scares all the CEOs. They're like shaking their head. No, no, no. no. Well, what if you use the word, I promise I'm going to deliver this. I promise <laughs> that I will call you. I promise this will do, right? And they go, mm -hmm. I can't do that. Well, well, wait a minute, let's back that up. Why can't? Yeah. Well, because there's too many things out of my control. Well, rather than worry about these other things you're doing, why not worry about getting those in control? And if you get those in control, you can make the promise. If you make the promise, you're going to build the trust. And so when we look at those, those, those pieces, the majority of them can be under control. Or I just got a question in the speech I gave Friday. And he goes, okay, well, what do you do when something's out of your control and you don't know that, you know, if you make a promise, you don't know if you can keep it, you know, you, I'm going to deliver it Friday and I don't know if I can deliver it Friday. Well, this is pretty easy, guys. We don't make that promise. Right. What we do promise is I will call you Thursday at 11 o'clock and right. tell you if I can keep that promise or not. Mm -hmm. But I will promise to call you at 11 o'clock and we'll see what we've got from there. I still kept a promise. And now they're they're seeing that I'm promising and keeping it. I'm keep promising it. I'm keeping it. And now I'm building trust with my audience. That's how the the method. Yeah. Yeah. Right? This is I'm playing purely on the emotion that says, well, why do you love this company? They keep their promises. OK, that's not a process. 
That's purely emotion. <laughs> right. Right. Which is what okay, so which is what human beings are based on is emotion. Right. So right. and yeah, and you go back to Disneyland. What do yeah. they promise you? Disneyland this is the happiest place on earth. Right. Now, do you not think that everything every employee is scripted to do is to make them so happy because this is the happiest place on earth. So everything mm -hmm. is oriented around that mission right there. Mm -hmm. And so they, they very much dial into those promises. We're going to make a promise to keep the happiness. And, you know, I ask, I ask CEOs, how many of you have been to Disney? Of course, they've all raised their hand. They take their kids, right? <laughs> I said, okay, so I want you to close your eyes for 15 seconds. And I want you to visualize what was the most memorable part of Disneyland that you can think of when the last time you were there. Just stop right now. Think about that. And they all do. Dead quiet. I go, okay, open your eyes up. Raise your hand if you thought the most memorable, wonderful, happiest thing of Disneyland was the food you bought or the souvenir you bought. Does anybody have their hand up for that one? Nobody. I go, no. Okay, so I'm confused. You just told me earlier that your product and service were the most important thing to the customer. Clever. You just told me they aren't. Wait a minute. Clever. I'm confused now. I'm confused here. <laughs> so I kind of get them in a little bit of a bite. But now I'm going, what did you remember? Anybody want to volunteer? Oh, when Mickey came over to my daughter and he hugged her. Oh, hmm. That's not emotional, though. That's a process, right? Uh, okay. And so you see where I go. And I said, now, when they've kept this promise, not go home and tell everybody Disneyland is the happiest place. We had the best time. Was it right. all about the food product, all the emotion it, and keeping these promises? It's so, all in service. It's all in service to the emotion. And how you make them feel. Okay, so yes. the number one should be for all of you out there that you should be yes. is if we make this change in our business, I don't care what business, I mean, I talk to every kind of business you can imagine, whatever the business you're in, ask this question. If whatever we're doing here, how will that make our customer feel? That's it. That's the only question. And I, I want you to stop right. and get, get feedback from your audience, from your, your executives, your leaders. And if they go, well, I don't know. Okay, well, let's find that out before we do anything with this product or service. We need to know exactly how it's going to make them feel because if they feel special, important, like we care more than anything, we that's a successful component we should incorporate. If they don't feel anything different, cut that one off. If you started every meeting with, okay, so if we're going to make this change, how will this make our customer feel. If you did that, you're going to change your business overnight because they will go, yes, uh, I don't know. Or, well, here's how it will make them feel great. Is that how we want to make them feel? Mm -hmm. If it isn't, let's do something different. If it is, then let's do that. So, you know, you talk about emotion. Everybody goes, oh, there's no emotion. My whole model is telling you that there's a process of how I can help you build trust. I can help you build an experience that'll rock your world. I can help you build um, content that will help your, right. your individual audience to be better in their life and in their business overall. And at the end of the day, you know what they do for me? They do my marketing for me. 
they are out there proactively telling everybody, oh my gosh, this guy is amazing. He helps us with this. He did this. Really? Who is this guy? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you think about it and, and, and you know, we were talking earlier about um, speaking engagements mm-hmm. and all, you know, I could send out letters all day long. I could burn up all of my hours sending out letters, begging association <laughs> to hire me to speak. Right. Please, please hire me. Right. <laughs> What do you, my, my response on that's going to get like one or 2%. That's yeah. a waste of my time. What I'd rather, and, and what I actually do is I go out there and kind of rock their, blow their minds a little bit. And they go, oh my gosh, you know who you need to speak to? You need to speak at our association. Or you need to go to this group. You need to tell these guys. And I go, send them an email and tell them, here's my email address. And they come to me and go, Hey, uh, I heard that you're like a really good speaker and we and have a pretty interesting topic. We'd like to have you come speak at our conference. Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about that. I don't go, I don't go market. Right. I don't go after that one and a half percent. I mean, why, why would I do that? I go let them do it and they come and build my speaking dialogue, my, my speaking agenda. Well, this is, so. this is such a big mind shift that you're yeah. talking about. It is, it is a it 180. Is. And, um, and it's a gorgeous one. It's one that I've been uh, courting within my own brain for uh, quite a while. And then said, you know what? I really get it when it comes to business. I really get it there. Um, that when we, when we actually break down the layers of, pow- of yeah. so-called power, what I call power over, um, and we start getting communication running up and down the lines that's, until there are right. no lines, quite the right. way we know exactly. them. Suddenly, we've got a vibrant, living organism rather than a factory. Yep, exactly. And my God, it never has to die because it's always the process of birthing. I mean, right. how exciting! And if is you want to, if you want to tap into, which I know is much more in your angle, you know, than mine is creativity. Yeah. If you start doing this kind of, you know, where you're you're tying into the emotional side through yeah. trust and the experience and what you're delivering to your audience. Right. Oh my gosh, the creativity will right. just ooze out of your business. Your people will feel like, oh my gosh, I've got a great idea for how we could really dazzle our customers today. And they oh, start that's... bringing these ideas that they have killed up until now because they know the executive group will go, how's this making us more efficient? How does this improve our process? How does it? No, it doesn't. But what does it do? It's going to differentiate you more than else in our industry, and it's going to get mm-hmm. them out there making you more money. Are you interested in hearing that creative idea? <laughs> and they all want to know that idea, right? Yes. So the thing that, yeah. and this is your wheelhouse, is this this tapping into this massive creativity in the minds of our employees, in the minds of our audience, in the minds of our customers. They'll bring us these things, and yeah. it'll blow your mind about how creative. You know, I get people started in projects right i mean probably more than started but we'll start and build this whole strategy how we're going to do this and and, and it yeah. takes a, it takes a while this doesn't happen overnight right I tell everybody plan it like six months and it's usually more but right when they started what's going to happen and i tell them all up front i said look i'm going to bring you and i'm going to be the trigger to, to give you creativity in terms of how you could rock your customer's world i'll, I'll do that and i'll get that started mm-hmm. but believe me there will be a tipping point where your audience, your customers are going to come back with better ideas than I could even think of. And I've been in this for a long time, but they're going to blow your mind because they come yep. back with ideas. And they go, 
wow, where did you come up with that? That is awesome. Because we've unleashed this creativity because we've now shown them what's important to their customers. That's when you know you've hit a home run. Who can copy that? Who in a business can copy that easily? That's differentiation totally. Oh my God. competitor out there that can copy this. They're going right. to go, oh, what are, what are they doing over there? Well, we can't do that. We don't even know what they're doing. And they're, right. the customers love, what's going on? We're deeper, we're faster, but they got all the good customers. What's happening here? Yeah. So it, it, it's, a, it's a mind shift and it does blow your mind. But I'll tell you, once you've dialed into it, there's no going back. You're going, wow, how could we ever live without doing this? Oh my God, yes. And and I'm the the side benefit, it's not even a side benefit, the core benefit is that if you're if you're applying this to the people within your organization, yeah. you know, if you're taking the chains off of them, you're gonna increase their 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 productivity, their passion, their ideas, their attendance, you're you're gonna right. lower your attrition. I mean, it's all those yummy things that people keep thinking we can do this if we push the right computer buttons like no 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 right that's not how it works in fact you know you're on that topic one of the questions i do ask an audience is um how many of you have employee churn (laughs) where you're losing employee you know we're losing a lot and how many of you would say you have the very best employees in your industry probably not Mm -hmm. there's other there's other employees out there that are better so my point to you would be how would you like to go get those and like to have the happiest culture and employees of any of your competitors? Well, I can guarantee you one thing. If you have customers that are over the top, excited, happy to work with you, your employees get a little bit happier every day because they're not having to field all these negative calls and anxiety and, oh my right. gosh, you didn't do this again and you guys are worse than, how many right. of you would like to eliminate them all? and have the customers go, that's okay. I understand things happen. I know you'll work because you always keep your promises and make it right, right? Yeah. How many of you would rather be, if you're an employee, would rather have that response? And would you rather go to work at this company that gets that response or this company that's getting angry, you know, Alan over here? (laughs) You're going to increase, you're going to lower employee turnover for sure. And you're going to increase the employee happiness a lot. So yes. you think, you know, and I'm not an employee expert at all, and I'm not a culture expert at all, but mm-hmm. I can guarantee you one thing that I do is I always change the culture of the company. Yep. And the company's culture has changed because now they're all working together to say, well, how's this going to make our customer feel? Is this really going to make them feel special and important? Is this going to help improve their life? Is this going to help us get more trust with them? Is this going to give them an experience that rocks their world? See, they're asking that now. They're happy employees at this point. They're, they're in the game. They're engaged. So when you think of it from an employee side, this is an incredibly powerful employee um, retention program. If you thought of it that way, I never couch it that way. I go, that's mm-hmm. a big side benefit. Yeah. But does anybody not want that benefit? <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> right. Everybody so wants anyway, it. So I'm glad you talk about that because, you know, you're expert in all of that stuff that I'm not but I can guarantee you I will change it for the better because they're focused in on the customer and their audience and making them feel really incredible. That, that's, the whole, that's the whole point. That's why I say, stop marketing. Your audience is dying to do it for you. You just haven't helped them do it. You haven't given them the tools. 
you haven't given them the the the, the right pieces that will get them out there <laughs> to be your marketing agent and advocate. I want you to do that because that makes you a lot more money than the other alternatives. Wow. This makes me incredibly happy. I just love talking with you about this stuff. Well, you can tell I get pretty excited about it. Um, yeah. Because it is it is mind-blowing. It's a game-changer. And mm -hmm. everybody to do this. I don't care whether you hire me or not to do it. I just want right. you all to do it. Because if you're doing it, I can be a happier customer of your group. So I want everybody to do this. There is an altruistic aspect to this. I just want everybody <laughs> to do this. That's, that's my goal. <laughs> Well, Blaine, thank you um, so much for coming onto the yeah. show. I am so excited about your work and I am having a vision of sometime down the road where we both come in and you change the top and I change the middle <laughs> and the bottom and we leave and they go, what yeah. happened, what happened? <laughs> exactly, because there's a lot of work, you know, I mean, I get it all moving. There's a lot of internal work in, in, uh, yep. in the whole employee side of things and other things. And I go, you know, there are far better people and better qualified people to do that than me. Um, but I'm certainly going to get the ball going in a different direction that that really empowers, you know, you to do what you do and others to do what they do better than me. So that's, wow. it works really well together. Wow. Well, um, what I'm going to do after we sign off here is I will get information from you about how people can get in touch with you if they want you to go blow their minds in person. Um, <laughs> And um, I want to remind our viewers to uh, hit subscribe and make sure that you follow all of these incredible interviews that I'm just blessed to be able to do. Blaine, I cannot wait to talk to you again. Thank you. That's been a pleasure. It always is. Appreciate <laughs> that. All right. I'll see you again soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Lori. Lori. Perfect. Thank you. Right. <laughs> oh. oh my God. Don't you love being human? Yeah. <laughs> it's just one embarrassment after the next. Well, you know, if, if I look at it, if that was the, if that's the biggest mistake I make, I'm in really good shape. <laughs> You're in seriously good shape. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that, that's a that's a that's an easy easy fix for that one. Oh my God, I have a friend named Marty. She has a. Do you know about emotional freedom technique, Blaine? I don't know. Okay, so it's it's like um, um, acupressure. Okay. And you can shift your energy. Um, you know, it, it's instead of doing acupuncture, you're hitting on the spaces, on the places that you need to shift the belief or shift the emotional or the physical feeling or whatever. Okay. So she's worked with a lot of women who have trauma, and one of the things that she's very strong about, and I'm strong about the same thing, is we cannot we cannot keep pushing aside negative emotions we've got to be able to deal with it. I mean, it's part of the entire mm -hmm. human experience and you're never going to get to authentic and to comfort unless you can deal with all that. Right. So she came up with something called fuck you tapping. Huh. Wow. <laughs> because all of the women she works with, Memorable. it is, who've, <laughs> who've been traumatized. The only way they could get to heal is if they could get to the anger. Okay. And, and the only, and she said at the bottom, at the bottom of everything, every last one of them, she said, if you could say this to this person who hurt you, what would it be? And they always said, F you. There you go. So um, she Release was in an, it, huh? yeah, she was in an interview and she was in an interview with a woman who doesn't believe in having negative emotions. Hmm. And so they were in this tug of war throughout the entire interview. <laughs> Wow. So we did fine, is what I'm trying to say. We did just, yeah. yeah. Well, so, you, so you're in a, you're in a space. Me. You're in a space I know, you know, this much about. But yet, it's a space that, in what I help companies do, they need a lot of that kind of stuff, right? They need the, as we talked, we they need that emotional um, connection. They need to be able to to, to tap into the emotions of their audience, because yeah. that's going to be a, what differentiates them, not product and service, but that right. emotion. And, um, you know, even like what, you know, Audrey's doing with music is it's all emotion. So how does she, how does she capitalize on not just the music, but the words of that? So that when I, I hear it, I'm going, wow. Okay. So this made me feel X, right? If I can't explain what it made me feel in terms of X, I can't promote it. I can't help it. I can't help her. But if I can, then I go, oh my gosh, when I hear this music, it's not, so, you know, the idea would be, um, you know, for, for you, like Audrey would be, okay, so you have a piano, that's a product. You have music, that's a product and you're putting it together and that's a service. And there's a million other musicians that put together a piano and music and right. So those are commodities. We view those as commodities and everybody can do it and everybody can play it. But when I hear yours, well, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm feeling something different here. I'm feeling something. Well, that feeling, if I describe it as somebody is what makes it marketable because I'm then what does the audience do? They go, well, I want to feel like that. <laughs> I like that. I want to feel like that. So they don't care 
a whole lot about the mechanic piece. They feel they look at, I want that music because I want to feel the way Blaine felt. That's where yes. you turn that into capturing the audience to where they go. I want to go tell my friends because this made me feel so relaxed or comfortable or happy or whatever you might emotion might be. But it wasn't, well, she's a really good you know, pianist and she can play classical music. And OK, well, yeah, let me go to YouTube. There's one million three hundred other people that can do that. Right. Okay, well, why would I care about Audrey? Well, I care about Audrey because I just told everybody Audrey, Audrey's music makes me feel this. And the audience goes, I want to feel that as yeah, well. Audrey's music transports me into my own self. Yeah. And then you describe it and people go, I want to do that. So that's yeah. why they buy your music. They don't buy it because it's, you know, unless I have perfect pitch, which obviously yeah. very few people have, well, um, you know, they, they buy it because it feel, makes me feel certain ways. Yeah. There weren't that many piano meditation CDs on Spotify, which I found interesting. I thought there would be millions of them. Yeah. So yeah. And certainly piano improvisations, there were even less of those. So I was mm. like, hmm. Okay. So people right. like in Kazakhstan and like different little provinces of Soviet Union are shazamming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Someone <laughs> out there is hearing those tracks, Lori. It's a trip. Yeah. Well, good. Well, I'm uh, anxious to hear it. And, uh, but anyway, that's, that was a little snippet of how you 